Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Smokes. Deep to center field. Now this caught. Bowles. Touchdown. Here's that B. There it is. You already know. You should tune in to the All-Pro Philly Show. If you win them spots. You already know. You should tune in to the All-Pro Philly Show. All-Pro Philly Show. Yeah. Evans and Gerald Coach, they speaking them sports to convos, open no matter the debate and where you go. That's NBA or the NFL, MLB or the NHL, that's men and women and them colleges too. Philly, you know we got it for you. You already know. You should tune in to the All Pro Philly Show. If you win them sports, you already know. You should tune in to the All Pro Philly Show. Philly show, show, show. Good evening and welcome to the All Pro Philly Show, our last show in August. And I'm always sad at the end of August, the end of summer, but I'm happy tonight because we are rejoined by my partner, the guy who puts the All Pro in the All Pro Philly Show, the former star for the New Orleans Saints, one year with the Green Bay Packers, and after a stint as a coaching intern for the New Orleans Saints, returning to studio. Our guy, Jerry Evans. What's up, Jow? Welcome back. What up, man? Uh, it was a it was a quick uh, coaching career for me for uh, <laughs> training camp. I'm back. That's in it. Studio. You're calling it. I'm back in studio with you <laughs> After guys. After one month, he's like, "Yeah, that's it. I'm done." Sucking up the uh, oxygen in studio. No, it, it, it was a, a very good time down there in New Orleans. It was actually cooler there than here, um, but I enjoyed it, and I'm I'm very uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, a different role in football. Um, I think a lot of people that know me know I've been coaching guys throughout my whole career. I've had numerous camps. I've I've done numerous offensive line clinics with Coach McBrien from Bloomsburg. A few guys in the NFL that have come through my camps, come through my clinics, and um, it was a fun experience. So, and I, I'm and we're all happy because football's starting back up right now, aren't we? I mean, couldn't couldn't wait longer enough, right? Well, I always say, Ja, that you know. Football is God's way of saying, hey, sorry, the summer's over, but the fall's not so bad either. <laughs> you know, like, I think that's why football was invented almost. It's, it, it softens the blow of the end of summer. I love summer, and I love the warm weather. So the one thing to look forward to as we go into the fall, and the fall's great weather and great stuff all around. Obviously, we're going to have some real exciting baseball going on, a lot of other great things that go on in the fall. But by the same token, football is what everyone really looks forward to. And since football is king in this country... And as they would say on Ted Lasso, football is life. And that, if you haven't watched Ted Lasso, we're going to talk about that sometime. But meanwhile, Both footballs. <laughs> they're talking about soccer. And ja, last week, and we we celebrated you on this show. We go today was your birthday. Yeah. And did you see that James Harden had a birthday over the weekend? I saw. I saw um, a few videos of his yacht party. And okay, so birthday so listen. Parties. You know, I, I'm sorry, my guy, that I didn't get you the present that <laughs> little baby got James Harden. Did you see what he gave him? Harden opens up the birthday cake box, and yeah. sitting in the birth on the birthday cake are is two hundred fifty thousand dollars in cash. So, well, 
I mean, well, I know. Well, Harden, yeah. Harden took less money. He only signed for $37 million, So I guess, yeah. you know, little baby's feeling badly for Is him. the NBA going to investigate that, too? <laughs> and then he takes the cake and he throws it in the water. Which Everybody. I don't mind, because maybe he's more committed to being in shape this year. But $250,000. Happy birthday. Everybody little baby's coming to my party next year. <laughs> yeah, that was a great <laughs> gift. But everybody holding a, a camera or a phone nowadays are producers. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just all content. It's just all content. You're not, you're not buying it? I'm not buying it. It's we're, just we're all content. If those are real stacks of money. Yeah, it's just all content. But, it, I mean, it's, it's worth it. I mean, both of those guys got, got big bags. So, I mean, nobody's going to freaking argue about it. When I was growing up, and there's still a show called Let's Make a Deal Today, but it was a guy named Monty Hall. Mm -hmm. And he would hold these stacks of money. He would have like a $100 bill on either side. And he didn't even know if it was real money in the middle or just paper. Maybe that's, they were like Monty Hall stacks of money. Oh, I'm not <laughs> saying that it wasn't real money. Don't get it wrong. I do think it was real money. You're just not sure, just that it wound not up sure if it was a, a birthday present or if it was just alone for content. <laughs> <laughs> for content, you know? John, John, we got so much to talk about. We got uh, the end of preseason, thankfully. Um, we've got a little bit review on Jari's summer camp, and we got to talk Phillies and Eagles looking forward, and all, just so many big stories. We also we are also going to be joined um, later on the show by Danny Breslauer, a guy that I sit on the Rutgers Cooperative with for the NILs, and because I, I wanted to bring Danny on in in so far as. NIL is changing the shape of college sports, and we'll get into it a little bit with them. Obviously, athletes haven't been able to pay, be paid for their name, image, and likeness till very, very recently. In a good way. Uh, th th you think it's changing in a good way? I don't. Sure. I, listen, I think the concept of athletes being paid for their name, image, and likeness is so far overdue and should have never actually been taken away from them. But the actual application of it from a practical standpoint is a little bit crazy right now. So, so we'll see. But it's certainly that's not the players' fault, though. It's not. It's the, the NCAA fault. is a governing body. Thought it, it's never going to happen. And they they went under those pretenses of this won't happen. We don't have to worry about it. And then it happened, and they go, "Oh, well, what are we going to do?" For all you listening at home who don't recognize that voice, and that means you don't listen to the station. But that's John Jansen <laughs> who joins us in the studio every week for the All Pro Philly Show, and he'll be around here for his line change the next two hours. So stick around. A lot of a lot of good stuff to come still tonight, and certainly as we get into football season. But um, we'll talk more NIL stuff, and yeah. you know it's not necessarily a fun topic, but it's a real important topic as you go into college football season, seeing how this really is going to impact now and into the future for recruiting, into the future as far as retaining players, and the whole balance of power is shifted. Obviously, we've got the Southeast Conference rules. The Big Ten keeps expanding to where it's now the entire nation includes UCLA and USC at this point. I guess they'll, they'll, they'll venture south into Florida or, or something because that's the only region they're not in right now. And then all the other conferences are sort of falling by the wayside. So college football, obviously shifting powers and shifting, or at least not real shifting powers because Southeast has ruled for a while, but conferences like the ACC are now also runs. And it's, you know, we'll see if it's for better or I think, worse. I think it's interesting, like John said, and this is a question for you, Gerald. Like, I, you know, I understand at the pro level, there's a contract signed, there's, um, um, you know, agreements and, and, and legal things that are that are in those contracts that are signed. But from the high school and collegiate level, there's not really an agreement or a contract signed. So how could somebody take away your name, image and likeness or not let you make money off yourself at those levels historically? And maybe we can answer that later, but I don't think that they ever could actually take that away from you by being a student athlete. Well, here's how they always looked at it and why the Supreme Court finally struck it down and let it go on for over a hundred years. And, and it, back into, you know, 
whenever their NCAA started, and you know, athletes such as Jim Thorpe actually lost gold medals because there was this concept of amateurism that existed that really has been blurred and not even existing now. And, that and is what, the language, and what, amateurism. And, and what happened, Ja, is that the NCAA had a rule against you making money on your name, image, and likeness. So it wasn't illegal to do it. It was just against NCAA rules. So if you did it, you then lost your eligibility to play college sports. And that is not fair. And that's what the Supreme Court found. So now, you know, these schools where their coaches are, some of them are making upwards of 10 million a year and the athletes couldn't make a dime have now have to deal with the fact that it's a different world and and if you're going to get athletes and you've got some boosters instead of giving money to the programs and the schools now the money's going to go directly to the players at least legally even if it went to them previously reallocate, reallocate the funds so, so <laughs> redirect it, the money and it is just a changing landscape and everyone's paying attention to it and because you know you can't compete if you're not competing on that level right now and we're going to bring danny breslauer on at the bottom of the hour and talk a little bit more about this in depth it's not as much fun as some of the fun and games but it's really important um john by the way I just want to point out, and you are my fashion plate, and uh, always color coordinated, and come in today with a hat that I've oh, never here seen. Oh, you go. No, here no, you no. Go. This is this is not. This is it's fully complimentary. <laughs> no, you know, I'm just joking. We used to go to the big, big and tall man shop when they had that. You're you're a big man <laughs> who who who. <laughs> you, but you've always cared about how you yeah, look. That's what Lizzo just. was talking about. Like big people can't be, you know, fashionable. You know, that's what Lizzo was talking about. You that's were raised really you know, in a family of of, of strong women <laughs> and given a good sense you know? of fashion and all that stuff in, in your beautiful family but um, it's, I think it's fashion week in Philly this week okay so I, I just it made it reminded me of you were a young kid coming out of Bloomsburg and we would go to places like Vegas and stuff and I was always doing what sports agents would do <laughs> wear a sport coat and that was mock turtleneck days I'd wear my sport coat my mock turtleneck and you started no, wearing sport coats V-neck right? well I, I, I dipped into those a little bit and I remember Sean Payton imitating me and Freddie Mac Freddie we're talking <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about <laughs> Like, trade Sean Payton comes up to me and he starts dressing like me. <laughs> 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 I said, All right, you can, you, you can dress like you me. You should have put yeah, you in the movie. Yeah, and I wish I had his paycheck. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, John, ja, yes. you started wearing those sport coats back I then. Did. I liked the look. Yeah, I, I got tons of them. I mean. <laughs> but you didn't like the look for you. I di- it wasn't that I didn't like the look. It wasn't that. It was um, <laughs> I didn't get the responses from the look. When I wore the, when I kind of wore the look, I, I don't know. It, it was that was a long time ago, but I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, what you're referring to, and I think it was because I was with you and all the Vegas hosts and and the guys who were working. The Vegas hosts. No, I said hosts, 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 hosts. Yes, I go. Yes, just want yes, to be clear. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Gerald Stern over here, David Stern. <laughs> the you know our Vegas host that we have. I was just talking to Kev the other day at his at his cigar lounge in New Orleans. But I, I think I, I should have just stayed with my hip hop style. Now listen, I thought you were very well. But it's funny when I first came out of law school. Has many sports coats <laughs> back in 1921 when I graduated law school. Everybody used to wear, give or take a few years. Yeah. But but. Everyone wore suits, and, and it was yes. a world, not just lawyers, but lawyers certainly wore suits. I, I used to wear suits, John Jansen, swear, 
nine days a week I would wear suits. Like, you'd wake up even on a Sunday, you'd put on a suit. And it was all I did was wear suits. And You'll and, never catch me in a suit. And, well, John, your whole generation doesn't wear suits, and it went totally out. And the funny part is, I wore suits so much that I felt more comfortable in a suit. I felt more comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> I never felt right anymore. Not in suits. And to this day, and I still have some suits, and, you know, I put them on. I had to put it on for a viewing yesterday for for uh, somebody close to me who passed. But, um... Uh, I still get treated differently when you say how you get treated, yeah. John. You know, you, there's still a little bit of respect. I can be the same guy in a t-shirt and jeans. They treat you more with more respect when you put on a suit. I think we're losing something by not putting those suits or in sport coats. I think people put still wear uh, suits or, or sports coats and in and, and that nature, but it, I think it does present a um, a style of professionalism. I just think in the environments that we was in, they didn't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> not not, 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 not right. a young baller. They rather had the ice and the and, and not the sports coats, like you know, like like everybody that was with me was wearing. Anyway, I, but no, but I, I got tons of suits. I got tons of sports coats. Every time we see uh, World Be Free, I mean that man. There you go. That man, he be suited and booted every Sixers game with the hats, the match, the shoes. He be suited and booted. He encourages me to to get back in the suits that I've always wore for game day and traveling, and um, and and even back in New Orleans seeing the older guys who who are captains of the squad. You know, even when we travel the two games, put on their you know their game day travels in their suits and get suited and booted for um for a professional sporting event knowing that it's a business trip cuz that's cuz that's what it when you put that when you when you wear that attire you're you're sending a statement that you're about business. Well, did they make it was there a dress code when you were with the New Orleans Saints for road trips? Um as a player? Yeah, there was. Um yeah, it, there was. It wasn't like a dress code, it just was more so like no shorts, no flip-flops, just uh more so, you know, business attire. It wasn't like you can wear this, you can wear that. Just 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 basically no like sportswear. But the main focus was just we all look as a team. You know, we didn't look like individuals. You know, there was no ind independent contractors. We wanted to just be uniformed as a team and show up as a team, knowing that there's always going to be cameras around. So that was more so the mindset of um, of dressing for travel. But then, you know, then eventually just went to sweatpants and, <laughs> and comfortable wear because, um, you know, th those those airplane trips can can get pretty long. Jai, there was a guy who used to play for the Eagles named uh, Coy Detmer, mm -hmm. who, for his road trips, he would wear the same outfit the whole way. He would just bring a little bag for his toothbrush and, that, and maybe a change of underwear. John's shaking his head, yes. He, that he, is such a, a player <laughs> of my childhood that I would never forget. He just well, uh, wore like yeah. shorts and some, some... Because all you're doing is you're, you're getting on the plane, you then take the bus to the hotel, Yes, you got your meetings in the morning, you take the bus, to the game, and then you get back on the bus and take it to the airport. So he's like, I don't need to change clothes. Well, what that is is is, is the road trip for NFL players, NFL coaches, NFL staff is not fun. Now, you go to baseball, hockey, and, and basketball, as Gerard always tell me, <laughs> those away game trips are a little bit more fun. <laughs> it's really funny, John, because uh, my son Skyler is now up for a position in, in, with a basketball team, nice. and they asked him to make up a travel itinerary. Yeah. And he had worked a little bit for Temple Football, so he made it off his memory from Temple Football. So he, he did this travel itinerary, and in it he put bed check 11 o'clock. I said, 
Sky, there's basketball. There's no bed check. But that's what you had because you're just going there for the one night generally right before the game. And they want to make sure you guys are in bed and ready to play tomorrow. And, uh, and that's very different than other sports. There is no bed check in no, any other sport. They treat us like college kids. Yep. College guys. That's <laughs> what you're saying. Still, well, no, just it's just the nature of your sport is one game. Yeah. And, it, and and if they didn't do it, who knows what happens? <laughs> well, it, I think more so. <laughs> <laughs> and, you're getting, and your games are generally at 1 o'clock. So it's, it, yes. it is getting up early. In general, the NBA games are going to be 7 o'clock. So they do live a nightlife. Well, and baseball I, as well. As I transition to hopefully enter the coaching world, the reason why is because you just have so many guys to, to corral and keep into an environment. I mean, in football, you have 60, 70 guys that you have to have in hotel rooms and have to house. And so you want to make sure that those guys are, are, are ready to go and go out there and perform their best game. And also, we don't play games every week at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. where you have that morning to kind of, you know, regather the focus. You know, you in New Orleans, we play on Central Time, so you got to wake up and play. You know what I mean? Like, as soon as you wake up and get breakfast, it's time to go play. So I, th- that has a lot to do with it. And even in college, you're playing early games, 1, 1 p.m. games. You're not playing those night games like the rest of the sporting world. I mean, basketball guys really play 1 p.m. games or, or noon games. And like, you're playing one all. game a week, and it means so much more exactly. than the 82 games of the NBA or the 162 in baseball, whatever the case may be. Ja, there's another tradition in football that differs from some other sports, so maybe not completely different, but it's called the rookie dinner. And they punked a guy, this rookie Sky Moore in Kansas City, by giving a fake... Uh, bill from the Chop House for the rookie receiver dinner the other night uh, came to $22,730. Now, the rookie dinner is a real tradition. <laughs> what was your rookie dinner bill? Um, when the uh, veterans take advantage and you got to take out the veterans and you just got that first signing bonus, yeah. and in your case, it was a fourth-round bonus, and it wasn't bad, but it could all get eaten up at rookie dinner if they take advantage of it <laughs> No, I mean... Especially we... Lyman. <laughs> <laughs> I know those some big dinners, right? <laughs> Our group wasn't like that. Um, our group of, of Fain and, and, and Jamar Nesbitt and Stench and Jamal Brown, and um, they, they, they didn't treat, you know, me and, and, and Zach Streif like that. They they made sure that we just had a good time. We were kind of out uh, a lot with each other anyway, so it wasn't about how much money you're spending or all that. And, and what me and Zach did, we were smart. We actually went and bought the bottle of Louis Thirteen from the liquor store, and this is New Orleans. So they let us bring the bottle in with us. They didn't care what we bought it. So <laughs> we, bought the, we bought the liquor with us so it wouldn't get into a shop fest, even if it would have. But, um, but they were cool. It wasn't, they weren't ordering bottles to take home and, and stuff like that, like some people do on these rookie dinners. So, so you know, because of, because of how they treated us, we never treated our rookies that way either. But there's other positions that <laughs> kind of kick the ball over the fence. Well, John, there's another tradition that's going on in training camps forever, which is the rookie song or the rookie talent yes. show. Yes. Um, and that's a real one. And it yes. gets exposed on Hard Knocks. Probably the best part of Hard Knocks is you watching the rookies sing their, their yes. song and have to reform. What did you do when you were a rookie? Man, what did I do? Um, it's a long time ago. Other now. than start. 2006 um, season. <laughs> what, was, what was the hit song? So what did you just say? Other than start? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> other than start. He did. Other than start. Which is, know, that, which, which is more memorable than his song. Yes. I don't know. I did something probably like a, like a song. You don't or remember it? I don't. I don't remember what. Oh, there's got to be I footage don't. of that somewhere. 
I doubt it. <laughs> did I you watch it. some of that this year? Yeah, yeah. A lot of guys um, got some guys did some poems. Some guys did some some rap songs, some country songs. One of the uh, kickers, he had kind of like had a whole outfit, put on some some boots, and he he was ready to go. Did a nice little uh, song in front of the meeting, the meeting room, and everybody. But yeah, that that tradition will never uh, stop. Well, good, and, and and I'm sure it breaks up camp and makes it a it whole does. lot of fun, and uh, and everyone knows it's it's part of the course. Hey, Ja, you know the union, and I know you went last year to the tough playoff loss we had, Dan, but they yeah. are on fire. I just want to point it out to you: another six nothing victory this weekend. Yeah. Have given up twenty goals in twenty eight games. Twenty goals. They are ten less than anybody else in the league, and they're only like number three, a few goals off in the scoring. So they are just doing it both ends of the field, just having a terrific season. We got a shot for a real championship in this town. Listen, we're going to the Eagles season really good, but John Jensen's shaking his head. Yes, no, he's part of the broadcast. We have a terrific broadcast. We are the home of the Philadelphia Union, and just tune in here if you can't make it to the games. Try to make it to the games because they're fantastic. But if you can't listen to us, John, you're, you're glowing thinking about this Philadelphia Union. Yeah. So they are. Not- not only hellbent on getting back to the Easter Conference Final, they want to finish business. And uh, Jack Elliott, one of the best center backs in the league, talked about that with even Joe pregame. It's like, we, we want to get back there. We still think about that loss last year. And they're putting in probably the best performance and best run we've ever seen from a Philadelphia Union team. And they're even breaking records league-wide. You know, this is, this is the only team... In, in the history of MLS that has four games uh, with a margin of six goals or more. Wow. And all four came this season. That is a that is a league history record, and they broke it in four games of this season. Lay the goals. So they are they are a fantastic team, and it, it just turns out that they haven't lost a game at home. Five draws, but haven't lost a game at home. They've won their last six at home. And they're going to probably have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Listen so. how excited he is. He's no, part of the broadcast. It's, great. It's, it's, it's such a a nice, easy route. I didn't say easy, but it, it lays out very nicely for the Union if they do get home field advantage, which, by the way, it seems like they're going to be able to do that. And you broadcast them every home game, right? Every yeah, so we are yeah, the, we we're are going to be... Official station of the Philadelphia Union. Go ahead. Right, yeah, we do all the games for the Union. Uh, this weekend, though, I will say it is a radio-only broadcast locally, so it's an FS1 game, so that means if you want to hear the local broadcast, the only way to hear that is right here on the game. There you go. Pre-game nice. starts at 6.30. And, Jai, you wouldn't think that radio is a good way to pay attention to soccer, but we have a terrific terrific broadcast and i'm not pumping it because it's our, our broadcast we have a great broadcast team we have great studio hosts and a whole lot of other stuff i'm telling you tune in if you can't get out there anyway we're going to take a break because we've got danny breslauer coming in coming on right after the break and we've got a lot more to talk about we haven't even touched on the phillies our other chance for a championship maybe besides we get to february and the eagles so a lot of good stuff happening here in philadelphia and stick around for the all pro philly show you're listening to jerry evans gerald colton john jansen we'll be back Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back. Welcome back to the All Pro Philly Show. Welcome back to my partner, Jerry Evans. He spent a month down in the bayou with his coaching internship for the New Orleans Saints. We missed you, Jody. You know that song? Yes. Welcome back. From? Um. I know the remix of it. Is there a remix? There is a remix. <laughs> that's that's John. There's Sebastian. a remix of everything. That's, that's I, yeah, from I, that was uh, who was that, John? That was your guy, right? Well, that was John Sebastian. I don't know who did the remix, but that's oh. from a 1970 sitcom, Welcome Back, Carter, which was the introduction of John Travolta to the world and some other Coach things. Carter. <laughs> a little different, but yeah, <laughs> <I'm just joking. laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, but welcome back to the Off-Road Philly Show. Gerald Colton along with Jari Evans and John Jansen, always in studio. And right now, we are joined on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Give me the tagline, John. Dr. Paul, Dr. Paul Glad, Philadelphia's <laughs> leading hair restoration doctor. Visit drglad.com. I remember how to read that, but I can't remember to turn on a mic. Danny that. Breslauer joining us, checking in from New York and by way of the Rutgers Cooperative for the NIL, the game-changing, world-changing face of college football. Danny, welcome to the All-Pro Philly Show. Daryl, thanks a lot. I mean, hair restoration. I think I'm getting some subliminal advertising myself here, but uh, yeah, you know what? Whatever you're trying to accomplish. I had a choice of which line to put you on. We went to the doctor. Clary <laughs> grew No, really, we only have, we only have one line, Danny. I'm just, <laughs> I'm there you just go. joking. But Danny, I have the honor and pleasure and thankless task of sitting on the Rutgers NIL Cooperative, the Knights of the Raritan, with you and you and the whole bunch of other people. John Newman, uh, Jeff Towers have been so impressive in the dedication and what you guys have done um, with the way things have changed since the Supreme Court ruling a couple of years ago that allowed the college athletes to make money now or to be able to profit from their name, image, and likeness, it's really changed a whole lot in college sports. And you are a Rutgers devotee, went there, participated in the media as an undergrad, went into a career in media that you've now diverted a little bit, but still do your podcast with John Newman. But talk a little bit so the people listening who are watching the games on the field can realize what's really going on behind the scenes and how college football and college sports in general are changing. Yeah, I mean, name, image, and likeness has been a topic at hand for quite some time. You can think back to some of those EA sports lawsuits over players wanting to get paid for their likeness being used in, in college sports video games. Ed O'Bannon, the very famous UCLA basketball player as well. There's been a lot of these types of things sort of on the precipice. But I think what's been cool about this round is that Geo Baker, the Rutgers basketball player, was really at the forefront of this, along with Jordan Bohannon of Iowa and Isaiah Livers of Michigan during that bubble NCAA tournament back in 2021. Uh, Knights of the Raritan, we formed it when we realized that a lot of other schools were putting together collectives to ensure that athletes were given sort of a central point of contact to be able to do these deals that leverage their NIL in order to have some level of quid pro quo. They have to go and perform some task in order to earn that compensation. This is not a pay-for-play situation. And KTR specifically, we have focused on player retention and adding value to the experience of the athlete while they're on the Rutgers campus. And Gerald, as you noted, you know, I grew up pretty much right next to campus. Uh, my father's worked there for 50 years, uh, and I was a broadcaster for Rutgers for the first half decade of my professional career before pivoting to the business side. So this is near and dear to my heart. And it's, you know, to be a Rutgers supporter for your entire life is to suffer in a lot of ways. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was there in 1869 when Rutgers was number one in the country in football when, when we beat Princeton in the first game ever. And I guess it's kind of been downhill since. But <laughs> is that you? 1869. I oh, really wasn't there, Ja. I got I there say, just a just, little bit later. There was a time where Rutgers ruled college football. Of course, there were okay. only two teams at the time, but okay. we, we were number one. But, Danny... Um, hey, and, li and little do some know, they were up to number six in the BCS rankings in 2006, the first go-around with Greg Schiano. So there was a time where <laughs> Rutgers football was nationally relevant. Too. Well, we had a great win against Louisville on national TV on a Thursday night. Yeah. And the irony was, in my career, I wound up representing a few guys off that Louisville team, one of which was a guy, William Gay, who is, is one of my favorite people on the planet, <laughs> but he jumped off sides when we missed a field goal. The most infamous play in Rutgers football. Absolutely, where Ito then got another chance and kicked the field 
field goals. Look, so. there have been some good Rutgers teams under Greg Schiano. That was one of yeah. them. But I also remember nobody can forget the freshman year of Tom Savage. All right, <laughs> nobody can forget that nine-win team. We've we've yeah, had so you teams. know what's interesting. You mentioned that, but it's the team the year after that. The '06 team, the '07 team is the only team in the history of college football with a 3,000-yard passer, a 2,000-yard rusher, and two 1,000-yard receivers. Mike Teal, Ray Rice, Tyquan Underwood, and Kenny Britt. And that is the only team in college football history to do that. Even Oklahoma State with Mike Gundy and Barry Sanders is the only one with one 1,000-yard receiver. So pretty remarkable. Do not challenge Danny Breslauer on Rutgers history, nor do you ignore. Those are some pretty good names. And those, that was during the first Greg Schiano era. And hopefully we have equally great names that go on to great pro careers during this era. But speaking of Greg Schiano, as we head into the start of the 2000. 22 Rutgers Big Ten season. And Jerry Evans, my partner right here, he uh, did some work with J.D. Dorenzo, who's uh, one of the transfers, and he's going to be starting a guard for the Scarlet Knights. He mm-hmm. thinks Rutgers is going 6-0 and heading into the tough part of the schedule. Just want you to know that, Danny. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> does he, does well, he know that game five is at Ohio State? Yes. Uh, I, w- yes. I, w- I, w- I would check that Well, one he out. went to Bloomsburg. <laughs> he, he miscounted. No, I did not miscount, first of all. First of all, I just said if they can get past Ohio State, then they got you know three games until they get Michigan in the back end of the schedule because those last three games are going to be tough. So I said if they Jari, can I'm win one the early, four are gettable. Yeah. Huh? I said the first four are gettable. I'm with you. Yeah, Michigan, they can win. Tempo Wagner and yeah, yeah, they can win sure. one early against Ohio State. They can really come into the back end of their season being nationally ranked. Whoa, 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 whoa! You say beat Ohio yeah, I mean, State? Rutgers whoa, haven't kept whoa. a game within thirty of Ohio State. I mean, that's the one team that Rutgers really hasn't. Not many teams right? do keep it within thirty, State. though. Right. To be fair to Rutgers, I mean, right. I mean right. Ohio State. You know, they they got guys in the in the win. Chris Olave is in New Orleans. He's he's been doing very well. I mean, but you know, I. I I think this Rutgers team is, is going to be a good one, especially on the ground running the rock. Danny, you have yeah. never met my partner, Jari Evans, but he went to Bloomsburg and then became one of the greatest uh, guards in the history of the NFL and was probably going to both the College Football Hall of Fame shortly and the NFL as well. And he's also an eternal optimist. So we got him on, <laughs> we got him room for Rutgers right now who should have been recruiting him back in 2000, and, uh, 2000 I guess, when he was, <laughs> moved up to Bloomsburg. But anyway, back to Greg Schiano. Um, you have been instrumental amongst uh, some other people with the this movement for the Knights of the Raritan and the Rutgers, uh, the whole thing with the collective. And you had Greg Schiano, uh, you were there when he spoke recently, right, at the Rutgers Touchdown Club, which is a, a group of boosters. And he says some really interesting things, really supporting the Knights of the Raritan and the whole idea of NIL. So those those were some great quotes that really move it to the forefront in everybody's mind. And this is somebody who heretofore had been a, bit, a little bit resistant, but he said, because the priority for Rutgers football has been building a facility to try to be competitive in the Big Ten so you can compete with the big dogs of the Michigans, Ohio States, Penn States, and some of the others. But we'll build it, a football facility he was referring to soon, but NIL is the number one priority right now for money. That's what he told the Rutgers Touchdown Club. He also said, we have four months to raise the money we need before other teams mm-hmm. start poaching our best players. And that's the scary part, that if you don't compete you're going to lose players to other programs, and and we're already dealing with you know a little bit of at a deficit as to what the history of these programs are. And then he'll say he also said we'll build the football facility soon, but NIL is a number one priority right now for money. So you've got the head well, coach. Gerald, of let me let me attack that threefold real quick. Threefold to what you just said. One is imperative that Greg Schiano said that right. Like the fan base is 
driven by this man who, uh, in theory, is sort of the godfather of the modern era of Rutgers football. So that's part one. Part two about the poaching. I think the Knights of the Raritan Collective, we have positioned ourselves as a retention mechanism and for the well-being of athletes while they're on campus. So the purposes of poaching, we don't, you know, as coaches may do what they do, as a collective, it is not our intent to do player acquisition either in a recruiting or poaching sphere. So from our, our vantage point, that should not be the purpose of a collective. But part three, what Chiano said is right. When it comes to what the priority should be, facilities versus NIL right now, you have to have the monetary compensation ready to make sure that a roster is competitive at this point in time, whether that via, be via me, uh, retention mechanism uh, to stave off the big dogs that are going to come for your players that you build up, or just to know that the infrastructure is in place so recruits may see your entity as more attractive than a Well, Danny, I'm here in Philadelphia and spent most of my life in South Jersey and Cherry Hill, and it always bothered me that Rutgers really wasn't the home team that Penn State was. Mm-hmm. And Penn State's at least three and a half hours away, and you know, it's, and from Jersey, it's to me in another country. Jai, you, so different you, states. I know, but even in South Jersey, Penn State a lot of times is more of a home team. So we got two different ch- states. I know they are, but that's why in South Jersey, for sure, at least, Rutgers should be the home team. And even here in Philadelphia. Penn State feels got, like a different state than states. even where Philadelphia is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, you keep saying South Jersey. That's why I keep saying two different states. Rutgers is the home team I know, in and, Jersey. Well, no, they should be more than they are, John. Trust me. I grew up in South uh, Jersey. And New Jersey, New Jersey is three different states. Is what I, is that's what I true, you, you're right about. You're right about that. For, for as small uh, as it is, it's south, south north. Yes, you know? you're right. Close to New York. Yeah, I mean, they're looking at all the New York teams. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And North Jersey doesn't believe that my part of the state exists. So that, that, that's the funny part about, about this whole dynamic. So uh, I think that there is something to be said for state unification, New Jersey eating its own, having a little bit of an issue on that, Gerald. And I mean, it was never an issue for me growing up in Highland Park. I could literally walk to New Brunswick, but I get it. I've had friends. I mean, I roomed with a couple of guys from Sewell. Uh, in college at Rutgers, and and you know, until the day that they came up to Rutgers, they had never visited campus. So I, I get it from being an hour and a half south of campus. And this is why I think the NIL is so great for schools like Rutgers, because you wouldn't get guys like the running back of the Indianapolis Colts leaving home to go play in Nebraska or Wisconsin, whatever. I can't remember where he played. You know what I mean? Yeah, he like, was Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Like yep. you, yeah, Taylor. Yep. You wouldn't get guys like that, or you wouldn't get guys going to Penn State because you can now groom these home guys and get some home NIL you know, money or sponsorships or advertising because these guys are local guys. There's been a lot of good South Jersey guys that have gone to other big oh, universities, yeah. and I think this is where the NIL helps them recruit. and Jonathan Taylor, Exhibit A of yes. Wisconsin, right? And, like, yes. and Jonathan Taylor, by the way, Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley, both Rutgers commits. They decommitted to go to Wisconsin and Penn State. It, it's so I going back. All you need to know it. Historically, Danny, there's so much great talent that comes out of New Jersey and has gone elsewhere. I went to high school at the same time as a guy named Mike Rozier from Camden. He went to Woodrow Wilson mm-hmm. High Camden. Sure. He went out and won the Heisman Trophy. Gerald yeah, Colton. Going back know, to Frank Ross. Ger- 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 Gerald Colton did not get away. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Burns just, just did not recognize my talent. Nor did my parents let me play football. And, and it wouldn't have mattered if they did. But, but regardless, Danny, listen, we got to run. But before I let you go, and, and I will have you back because we didn't even talk about the overall applications to other sports as well as basketball down the road and we want to see Rutgers have a terrific season and be talking about them really in a you know contention for big time bowl games uh but 
anybody who wants to support the Rutgers NIL cooperative or uh, collective, the Knights of the Raritan, how can they do it? Yeah, best way is to go to knightsoftheraritan.com. So that's knights with a K, knightsoftheraritan.com. Uh, and all the options are there, joining for subscription memberships, one-time contributions. Eventually, we're going to have a corporate entity aspect to it as well where businesses can get involved. But knightsoftheraritan.com. My buddy, thank you so much for joining us. And we will revisit this. I just sort of want to introduce the topic to our, our listeners to know what's really going on behind the scenes in college football and how what they're watching on their screens on Saturdays is not the full story right now. Thanks, Danny. And see you at the link. See you at the link on the 17th. First Temple. Uh, I'll probably be up in New Brunswick before that or Piscataway, but uh, I'm looking forward to Rutgers Temple, October 17th. Or November, and, September and 17th, rather. September 17th. September 17th. I got to pick you up at 30th. I'm heading to Chestnut Hill this weekend. So. Uh, what are you doing? We'll, we'll see you soon. Well, I'm pick, heading to Chestnut Hill for the opener. Oh, beautiful. And I'll pick you up at Easy. 30th Street Station on October starts September 17th. I got to get the date right or I'll, I'll be late. <laughs> anyway, thanks yeah. again, Danny. We'll catch you soon. Thanks, Take Danny. Take care, Daryl. Bye. Danny Breslauer, he is such an enthusiastic Rutgers person. I've been so impressed with these people I sit on this collective with, uh, their, their devotion. You know, it's one of those funny things, guys, in sports. I'm much more of a pro guy. Uh, when I was at Rutgers for my four years, I was a passionate guy. I was in the media. I was doing, I was a sports editor for the Daily Paper. I was announcing for the football and basketball games. Um, you know, I'm the same guy I was then. And where I am, I'm going to be rooting for them. But, Rutgers has been such a torturous team to be a fan for in both football and basketball for all these years that it's really hard to do it. And even though it's an hour ride and all my friends are there that I went to school with, it's been hard. I am amazed at the devotion of so many of these people and the commitment. And then I also see, though, guys, as far as the giving to programs or to players, it never made a lot of sense to me. But now I see that. The people that are really involved get to feel an ownership of their college team that you can't feel about your pro team. So there's some incredibly successful, intelligent, wealthy people that care so much about their college teams. It never hit home to me until I really was doing some of this work on this collective. Yeah, there's definitely more of an attachment to college. Because I felt that, especially when I went to school at East Carolina. That was much more. I And I end up liking college football more because of it. Because I know that. I mean, there's a personal attachment because I literally spent four or five years at this school. Literally changed as a person through it. And that's something that I will not only remember forever, but I obviously have now attachments to the school. See, one of the things in a way about that, that I couldn't John, with the Eagles. I used to believe because college sports were pure, and clearly they are not, but that's not really no, what it was no, for you. No, no. And obviously, as we've changed into the NIL world, we're accepting the fact that there is no more amateurism, and that's okay with me. But go and, ahead, and you got you guys are right. Like that that was what I was gonna ask Danny is, is I feel like this the NIL is is good for everybody because it allows people, alumni mainly alumni, to be involved in a way that doesn't feel illegal. Like, think about how many alumni that wanted to be involved on a major scale of their sports team, whether it be basketball, whether it be football, whether it be baseball. They wanted to be involved somehow, some way, monetarily, to support the university that they went to without it being illegal or without it being, okay, this is the minimum that you could, you know what I mean, be involved in. And the thing about it, so many of these universities have so many successful alumni that are small businesses or medium businesses or large businesses but don't know how to get involved in their university. And the NIL allows that now. It really does allow that. And and it's, it's going to be great. Now, co some coaches may not like it because you know what? Now it opens the competition like now it's like fair game. Like it, it, it makes more 
universities, you know, more competitive now. You know what well, I mean? We already saw Nick Saban railing against it yeah. because he is at the top of the food chain. Everyone wants to go to Alabama. Yeah. He's got the advantages. And so now that he, they might level the playing field a little more in those schools in Texas that have all these oil rich people as their boosters might be able to draw players. He's railing against it a little bit, but the bottom line is, Ja, coaches are going to have to embrace it because it's, it's here and it's here to stay. And Ja, just just taking you back to 2006, no, obviously Division Two is a little different, being a lineman is a little different, <laughs> but you meant a lot to a lot of people. Before yeah. I ask you the question that it looked like I was going to, one of the things that always bothered me is a lot of these kids, they get their college scholarships. People think, you know, hey, they should be so thankful for that. But they literally still don't have two nickels in their pockets. And they're going around broke. And that's not really fair. A lot of what we've heard already on this Rutgers Collective is from coaches who need, who the, the kids need some money for their families. And, you know, or they've got sick mother at home and they can't even afford to go back and visit or the rent's not being paid. Like, there's a whole lot of need these athletes have. And if the schools are making so much money off them, I'm so glad that they're able to make some themselves. And and that's the numbers game. You you look at you look at football, there's sixty to seventy guys that you're trying to build a program with. Not all these guys are coming from backgrounds that have money to support a fifty thousand dollar college tuition. So I mean, that's why you lose guys to these other universities that have these guys slide envelopes and lockers and in 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 the ball clubs that are able to do that under the rug so it you you're exactly right yes the education is priceless we all get that we all understand that the education is priceless and 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 that's why you have academic all Americans in sports and these universities have these 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 young men and women going to class getting their academics I, and I always said being a student athlete is harder than any other student on campus because of your schedule and what you have to do and and how you have to you know you you play the game on the field or on the basketball court but you're also studying that game off the field and off the basketball court just like you're studying for that test and that lab exam and all those other things you know in school as well so the hours is you're only getting 24 hours in a day and as student athletes a lot of them work a lot of them work to make some money while they're in school. Yeah. All right, Josh. So how many so, envelopes slid into your life? I you mean, at Bloomsburg, you know, I had about four or five. No, I was just <laughs> none of them. You know, but you know, I was I was lucky to get a scholarship and and and, and get some refund money every semester based on, you know, if I if it was if it was more than if my scholarship was more than with my uh, my books and my my school was, but. You know, at the end of the day, the NIL is going to work well for everybody. I think it works well for universities. It works well for the athletes. And the fact of the matter is that people are making millions and millions of dollars off the back of these athletes and what they can do. And and now they're only getting compensated maybe not even a quarter of what people are making off of their talent. Not even close yet. It's not all, even it's all close. Just, but, Jai, Jai, when you say it works well... That's the issue that we're having right now, and over time it will play out, but it's evolving. So it really it is evolving. Yes, so, it's so, very so early. as it plays out, it's only starting to work and see how yes. it works in the long run. And we'll, we'll see. And that's, what, that's, that's the kind of things we're dealing with at Rutgers because one of the problems that we have on this collective is that. The administration is not overly embracing it to Who's some extent. Who's the administration? Well, we're talking, no, we're talking Rutgers administration okay. of athletic department and director. And so, you know, look, there's 
big donors to these programs. Academia. And now academia is one of the toughest things to to to, to sit in a room and be like, you know, they, they they're tough. But why do schools and some of these top institutions you did you said a great you said well and listen i got to point out that you did not get a football scholarship to start at bloomsburg you got a president scholarship you got it for academia yeah and it's, it's a very it's, impressive thing my cerebral it, friend it's it's, it's it's tough in talking with those people and and seeing how their brain works on different levels because of state regulations and and different conference regulations and stuff like that well, well john we're looking forward to joining bluesers going to be joining us as a sponsor as they as they branch out into a three school system and and yeah yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we're going to have that going forward in, in the fall yes. and loving that relationship and you get to really support your pro your school as they support you in return but ja um the problem that we're having is the athletic departments, which historically want to raise money for the school, the athletic department, are now losing some money to the NIL stuff yes. to where the boosters, instead of giving it to the school, get to give it directly to the athlete. And that's where some conflict is coming in. And that's why the system's got to evolve to where there's a balance and a respect for both because they're all going to be necessary. So we will deal more with that. Let's get back to fun and games, a drop before we get out of here. And that is, Ja, mm -hmm. listen. Finally, end of training camp. I know finally is probably not the way you necessarily feel, but you had a great experience <laughs> in coaching. Well, I only say it in regard to the fan part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, exhibition games, you know, could be painful. You got to experience them up close from now a coaching perspective and see the value of them. But the fans want to see the real games and want to see yes. their players playing. Um, now, for me as an agent, an agent who represents some guys this year that were free agent, undrafted players, this is a painful couple of days. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock is a deadline we're rostered to be cut to 53 players. Mm. I had a couple casualties today, mm. and, and hopefully they'll live again. There's there's chance for practice squads mm. or callbacks or other teams signing, but this is a tough, tough time of year. Now, you fortunately never really had to face cut-down day um, as being a... a yeah, you, cut once. Yeah, this is the thing in Seattle, but we're going to ignore that part you of your everything career. Because right? that, was, that was their mistake. Joking, <laughs> not everything, but... <laughs> but, but, yeah. but now, you as a player, and now... now seeing it from the coaching perspective, this is the kind of thing you, you finish that last exhibition game and they tell you when to come back and you hope your phone doesn't ring in the interim because they don't really call and tell you, hey, you made the team necessarily, but they tell you, come bring your playbook if you did it. Yeah, I was fortunate enough, enough to not to wait for that phone call because I just handle business, um, you know what I mean, on, on <laughs> you know what I mean, in the trenches at my position. Um, so I never really worried about that phone call until about year 10, 11, <laughs> 11, actually. But, but yeah, you know, when I experienced that, and obviously I wasn't even worried about the phone call then. I was very surprised and I shouldn't have been, but that's just my naiveness of, of, um, of how I played the game. But, um, I, I have a respect for those, those bubble guys, those free agent guys, um, because it's an aspect that is nerve wracking and, you're thinking about your future. You're thinking about a lot of things, future, family, football. So, um, yeah, a lot of guys are going to be experiencing that in these next, I guess, less than 24 hours moving forward. And, um, the, the, and, and the thing about it is I think that, you know, there, there's a lot of good outlets for guys, whether if it be if they don't get back into the league this year, if they go to the XFL or, or, or the USFL, there's going to be ways that guys can work their way back into the NFL because the one thing you know about the NFL is that guys do get injured, guys do get hurt, and even more than historically, very early on in the season because of the workload 
that guys aren't really putting their body through and hardening their shell, you know, their football shell during training camp. So, so yeah, the cut down day is always is always you know a bad day. You're looking for that Grim Reaper who's walking around. Everybody on the in in in, in the locker room knows who that guy is. By the time this week comes the end of training camp, where he asks you to bring your playbook up and have a conversation with coach. <laughs> Everybody knows who he is. He's like the guy walking around with a cloud over his and head. And you don't want to see. You don't even acknowledge him. You see him coming, you go the other way. No, you leave the building. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, know, you don't answer your phone if they call. You go, but, you go, you go in the bathroom and take a take a take a number two or something. But, but, but as the agent, I get the call too. Yes, so yes. today I heard from a couple of general managers in the league, and I see I see their name pop up on my phone. I said, ah. Damn, and I, I got to answer the phone. I say, you know, hey, you just calling to say hello and see how I'm doing. I mean, I know, I know what they're calling about, yeah. and um, and then I have to talk to my guy about it. and and at that talk that you know you just point out, uh, stay ready. Number one, they could bring you back practice squad. Someone else can pick you up. You put down some good film. If not, there's the alternative of the XFL and things like that. But they're that's a huge step off. And sometimes it's strategic for young guys to bring them back at a lesser number on the practice squad. You know, so yeah, maybe. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> it's, very few. It's it's very rarely a silver yeah, lining in getting cut, but regardless. Anyway, so that's what's going on these next couple of days. And we turn to the Eagles now, who to me had a pretty good training camp offseason so far. And they go into the season in pretty good stead. You know, they had Kelsey down with a cleaning up his elbow type surgery, but in general stayed healthy. Uh, we're not sure what's going on running back with Miles Sanders. He hasn't practiced in a while, and that's a, of concern. But in general, a pretty good offseason, a pretty good training camp, and they get to go in the season rested, healthy, and really, to me, the favorites in the division and a real contender. Yes. yes. Yeah, I got a question for you guys. I mean, like, what position do you see them lacking in in, in the division? Well, well I'll the, give, I'll give it to you. the QB position. Well, look, the QB is a big question mark. If Jalen Hurts can no, 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 continue no, no, to progress, no, no, God. No, no. Who's the best QB in the NFC East? Well, it's probably Dak Prescott. Okay. It's, it's Dak it's, Prescott. It's, it's hard. No it's, doubt about that. It's, okay. hard to, it's hard to argue that going into this understand. season. Understand. Understand. Who's the best wide receiver position in the NFC No question. Well, yeah, I shouldn't say no question. The Cowboys have good receivers, but I really do like what do the they? Eagles have here. They have one. A very good one. Well, we, we will see. They, 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 they certainly took a step back. I'll take the three of Brown, Smith, and Goddard against anyone in the division. And, so that's I gonna, so I, and that's going to tell you who's the best QB at the end of the season. But I get what and, you're and, saying. And just going into the season, it, it yes. can all change. And injuries, of course, play a huge factor, too. Yes. Now, running back position. Who has the best in the NFC? <sighs> it's, not, it's not the Eagles right now going into the season. It's not. Um, it, because, because I don't know that they even have a number one. i got to give it again to the Cowboys. But um, I also think if Saquon's healthy, they're pretty damn good at running back, too, and w- with the Giants. But I think the Giants in general stink. Now, the question about running back, and if you can deliver a ball downfield, is who has the best offensive line in the NFC? That's not even close to Eagles, too. Exactly. Now, let's go to the defensive side. Secondary. My concern is the Eagles' safety. If I were to point to a position that might be a little thin on the Eagles, I think it might be the safety. But I also feel they upgraded so much at cornerback that they, with with the addition of Stansbury to go along with Slay and Avante Maddox, that they have a really good core there. And with the improvement on the defensive line and linebackers, it's going to make that secondary better as well. I agree. I think the secondary is five to six deep. And, the, and, and with the nine threat of quarterback receiver in the division, the secondary is going to thrive. Well, especially if you get good pressure up front as well. Exactly. Because of the D-line. And let's go to the D-line. Who has the best D-line in the division? Um, Washington might argue Washington. 
that they that they it didn't show up last year. Two it, years it, ago, it, it did. It, it, I know, and that's why um, it, it it remains to be seen. But the Eagles, without question, upgraded with their rookie and Hassan Reddick. However, they utilize him. There's no question to me; they are much better up front than they were last year. Yes, and now let's go to the linebackers. Who has the best linebackers? I, it's yet to be seen that the Eagles have the best linebackers, but they've certainly upgraded their their position yes. huge in the offseason. They were great additions, and I think T.J. Edwards is ready to really take a step up and be a really, really good player as well as the other additions they had. No, I agree with what you're saying. And with, with, with that being said, I think because of the defensive line upgrades through the draft and through through free agency as far as linebacker, because Hassan Reddick is going to be able to play both. He's going to be able to cover into the flats, cover into the curl, and also rush the passer as as the linebacker type that he we is. We haven't had that kind of guy in a You're while. Right. Here, and You're I'm really right. looking forward to it. And he, he's going to be able to do those things that's going to upgrade the, the front seven and the back seven in stats. And, I, you know, I just, you know, I had him to pick to win 10 games last year. They only won nine. I think they could have won one or two early on if they ran the ball more early as of late. They could have. And, and listen, that was a good year because yeah. that was a first year of Jalen Hurts as a starter, a first-year coaching staff at yeah. every key position. There is no reason to believe that the coaches won't be better, Jalen Hurts won't be better, and that the Eagles are every bit as good at every position and a lot better at some than they were last year. So going into this season, that team that won nine games and made the playoffs last year should be at least an 11-12 win team, if not better. And I agree with you. See, with, with the season they had last year, and like you just said, with those additions, they go, they're going to be better. Their mindset is better. You know, they're going to be encouraged to know that, like, hey, we are a better team than we were last year. We are a better team. So now we got to go out there and prove that we're a better team. And I think they're going to do that. And I, and I got them to win a division this year. And it's going to be tough. You have them tough. winning 18 out of 17 I, I got them winning the trenches. And when you can win the trenches, yeah. yep. I know you when you say can it. impose your will in the trenches, and I think they can impose their will in the trenches this year more than they could could have in the last five years, I think this is the year that they can really dominate Inside, you got Fletcher that don't have to play at that one position, that nose position. He can get on the edge on a three. He can probably push out to the edge at sometimes, and he's going to be be accept that role because he can go against the Packer. You got the young rookie who could be inside, command double teams. You see in the preseason, triple teams. People just want to hit him. You got the tackles on the islands. If you can, if you put the tackles on islands during the season, they're going to bring some dial some things up. That's going to be tough for guys. So it, it, the big young rookie is going to demand a lot of presence, and that's the rest Davis, of the guys of are going to eat on the line of scrimmage. And it's, it's going to be a good it's going to be a good time to go hunt for those guys on defense. I hate to get out of here. We could go on for hours. Um, and I do think Fletcher has a little bit of a rebirth this season yeah. because of the rookie sure. as well as Hassan Reddick and the other things they've added. But um, exciting times to be an Eagle fan. Hopefully, a great season starts in. Less than two weeks, 13 days in Detroit against your old guy, Dan Campbell, who's making himself a star on Hard Knocks along with Deuce Daly. We'll get to that another time. Phillies had a 7-4 homestand. They start in uh, Arizona on the road wild and card? continue to play. They are getting the wild card. There's a lot to be excited about with the Phillies' the return of Bryce Harper. Another welcome back. And unfortunately, the hour just went so fast. There's so much more I didn't get to that we will revisit next week when we return Every Monday on the Oprah Philly Show. Hey, John, I'm going to be Saturday night at Bally's Casino in Atlantic City. Myself hosting with Lawrence Taylor LT. from Bally's. You got to come down and you yeah, I think spend. I'm going to bring one of my jerseys that uh, you got to one of my Lawrence Taylor's jerseys. I got you, I got something framed. All time best Taylor, linebacker. Yeah. One of the you might have not, to go holler at Mitchell Ness before. You just know. you're you're coming down with me, and then, and we'll talk about that next Monday and everything else as we head wow, into the NFL. Wow, look at that. Is that two Hall of Famers that are going to be there? Then is there it, you go. I was Lawrence Taylor. I was waiting for when John was. This is this is. 
is how I benefit from, you know, and I can call myself the All-Pro Philly Show. If you surround yourself with Hall of Famers and All-Pros. <laughs> Just a get, Hall of Fame magnet. That's you, what Gerald Coleman You get the free ride. Anyway, so I hate to cut out of here, but let's go Phillies and, and Eagles have a nice couple weeks getting ready for the regular Union. season. And Union, of course. We, we, we do not want to forget. Company so, man right there, I mean, Jari Evans. And we missed out. We got U.S. Open tennis going. Yep. Thea Serena, but thank you. And a great Rory McIlroy victory on the PGA Tour. I want to talk about all this, but an hour just doesn't allow us. We want to also thank Danny Breslauer for joining us to talk about NIL uh, cooperatives and collectives and things like that. But, Ja, welcome back. Great to have you in studio, whatever you're drinking in Glad there. Glad to be and back, your, man. And your fashion statement of what is that Green Phillies hat? Um, it's just one of the hats, I, one of the 200 hats I have from Mitchell. Yeah, see, Exactly. That's he's a fashion plate. Philadelphia you know, Fashion I mean, Week and Jerry is a poster a child. It is a nice hat though. I do like <laughs> it. I don't know what I don't know what the, the design is supposed to be. It's like a green John, Eagles got, hat, but I, I like got, it. It's really John, I got over two hundred hats from Mitchell and Ness that I've bought over the times and, and they're And they're nickel and diming us on his jersey. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Mark, what up? <laughs> but anyway, see, there he is. He's he's GQ. There <laughs> you go. Here we you got go. we gotta put you on the cover of GQ. I'm a Q for sure, but how's your boy? The fashionable big man. Anyway. <laughs> Appreciate you, John. Glad to have you back in the studio. John Jansen, thanks. Stick around. He's got the next two hours, even though I ate into his first few minutes. Yep. And I'm Gerald Colton. Come visit us at, on Saturday night at Bally's or listen every Monday night from 6 to 7 right here on Fox Sports again to the All-Pro Philly Show. And we'll be doing some exciting stuff in the fall as well with football season. We'll have that announcement next week. And there's going to be so much good stuff here on Fox Sports again. So stick around for John Jansen. And we'll see you next Monday on the All-Pro Philly Show. We'll be after John. John, Gerald saying good night. with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.